0: Welcome everyone. I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana. And we're here at 318 Latino Studios for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. And we have a really special treat today. Our guest is Sister Sharon Rambin. So Sister Sharon, thanks
1: thanks for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, of course.
0: Well, I've got a lot of information about you. Uh, let's start here. You've you've been a longtime advocate for accessible health care for children in Shreveport, yes. Bossier, and you once said a healthy community thrives. Today, I want to talk about some of your impactful work and touch on the inspiring life of service you have led. Let's start here today, how, how did you first become aware that providing accessible health care to children in shreveport Bozier was such an important need in our community?
1: You know, Jeffrey, I really think that it went back... One time I worked in television, and I, I saw a lot. You see a lot through the lens of a camera. And I remember when we would go out and do uh, stories on neighborhoods and, and different um, uh, organizations here in the, our community... And I would see that as a television producer, see the needs of the community very clearly and the people who were struggling to bring services to the community and to children in particularly. And I think that that's really where it first touched me, that we really needed to do something, especially for children in our community. We have a high, high poverty rate um, in North Louisiana, something like 27% of the children live below the poverty level and with poverty comes poor health
0: and i remember uh, i don't know if you're you remember it well enough to tell it but i remember reading a story about you being somewhere and there was a mom or a grandmother taking care of two children and they were both sick can you can you re- retell or recount that story uh if, to, to the best of your recollection.
1: You uh, you really did your research. That, that's been uh, probably about 20, 25 years ago. Um, I received a phone call. It was late one evening uh, from someone, and this happened often. Someone would give me a call, hey, Sister Sharon, there's a family and they don't have food or medicines. Can you please try to help them? And I received one of those phone calls, again, late in the evening. And they said, there is an older lady, and she's taking care of two grandchildren in an apartment in, um, off um of Egan Street. And said, can you go there and, uh, you know, check on them? Because I, I don't think things are good. So I went. It was late. And uh, found an elderly lady, a grandmother, maybe pro- probably a great-grandmother. And the apartment had no furniture. It was just like an old piece of a couch and then like a, a, something on the floor, a piece of a mattress. Um, it was dark inside. And I found her sitting in the middle on an old stool. And on each side, there was a child, a little boy. Probably one was four, one was about six. They were burning up with fever. And, um, and she was sitting in between them. And she had a bucket of water and a rag. And what she was doing is she was taking the cool water and trying to break their fever. But the thing I saw that touched me, and I would say it was a life-changing touch, she had a baby aspirin on a rag on her lap. And she was trying to see whose fever would last the longest, and they would get the baby aspirin. I couldn't believe it. I said, this is Shreveport. We, we, we have this, this dire needs. We have two very sick children here, and this lady with no... Uh, and, and no resources to help them. And, um, I, of course, you know, I, I did what I could do and brought them food and, and bedding and, and several weeks of trying to, to get things to them. But poverty is real. It's real. And, uh, unfortunately, a lot of our children are caught up in it. Yeah. it's Amazing.
0: Okay, so you touched on this a little bit, but your your path to becoming a nun is, oh is, is not the most traditional uh, I've ever come across. After graduating from LSU, you worked in public relations before joining Channel 3, where you ultimately became a news producer. Yes. You once said, I think all of us have a call to ministry. Growing up in Shreveport and Bossier, I've been given so much and I'd like to return as much as possible. My question is, how did you come to make the decision that your life's work would be giving back to our community?
1: Big question there, big question. And I think about that question every day, and it's been almost 30 years. But it's a, it's a question that um, has many parts to it. I can remember, um, again, when I was working in television, Um, I became friends with some of the sisters at Holy Angels. Holy Angels is a residential facility for disabled children and adults. And would go out and visit them. And I feel like I had a connection to Holy Angels because my mother was a nurse there. And I remember going there when I was a child. So we'd go out and visit the sisters and... Uh, found I enjoyed it a lot, and I loved to hear them talk about their ministry and all their years of service to the community and to children and to those with disabilities. And um, just really got caught up in it, really loved it, and found myself more and more visiting the sisters. And actually, one of the sisters challenged me to a basketball game and said, hey, you're tall." I'm taught, let's, let's go in the gym, and we're just going to play a game of horse, you know, that children's game, horse. She said, if I win, come stay the weekend with us in the convent. Well, I thought, you know, hey, I'm, I've got this. I'm, it's not going to be a weekend. I'm going to beat sister. She won, and I went and stayed the weekend um, in the convent and just enjoyed it. It was wonderful. I loved the prayer, their spirituality, their work, everything about them. They were, they were real. And I grew up in Catholic schools, and were, I was taught by the sisters. And they always seemed kind of distant a little bit. You know, you loved them, but they were still, you know, they were the sisters. But here I saw them in a whole nother. they were real people, playing basketball and barbecuing and laughing. And um, I, you know, and I thought, you know, this might be an a, um, alternate, maybe a lifestyle for me, or something to look more into, see? And um, I did, and followed through. It's, it's quite a it's um it's a journey, and I started on that journey, and um, haven't looked back. Don't play basketball with nuns, <laughs> never. Um,
0: some people may not know this. In in 1998, uh, along with the sisters of Our Lady of Sorrows, you founded the Renzi Education and Art Center. Talk to me, if you could, about the beginning of RENZI, how you got involved in that project, and how you knew it would serve such an important need in our community.
1: Well, the the sisters founded the RENZI Center um, as a whole, as a group. They all, you know, uh, uh, partaked in everything that had to be done there. So really, the Sisters of Our Lady of Sorrows are the ones who founded it. And um, I was just along to, you know, help where I could, but um, they um, had an old house on Egan Street, and it was empty. And uh, through some benefactors and the generosity of someone who helped with the land donation, um, all that it just it just unfolded like it should, like it was meant to be. And um, they saw the children in the neighborhood, the sisters, and they said, you know, let's let's do something for the kids. This is a a neighborhood in need, and they. Um, um, really went to work, literally painting and taking, you know, scrubbing, sanding wood, and and um, the community just came forward when they heard about this work and and what was going to happen for the kids, and it just came into to play, it just like it was meant to be, and uh, before we knew it, it was going to be the Renzi Education and Arts Center. So I was, I, I'm, I'm just so proud to have been part of that. Um, it's really neat to see something that God just takes control and you just kind of follow along, you know. But um, it has benefited. And I believe they are celebrating, I think, their 30th or 35th or something uh, anniversary. And um, it's, it's helped a lot of families. It's helped a lot of children. It's a place in a neighborhood that's like a beacon. You know, it's a place where people can go and enjoy art, and enjoy, you know, children who need tutoring. And the sisters have been behind it the entire way. It's a wonderful place.
0: And you mentioned some of this, but you've also spent your career advocating for the elderly and disabled in our community. Your mother was a nurse in Holy Angels Baby Nursery for several years. And it was here that as a child, you were introduced to the needs of disabled children and the life of religious sisters. Talk to me about your early memories of Holy Angels and from your perspective, how we're doing as a community now in taking care of our elderly and and disabled.
1: Holy Angels is um, holy ground. Holy Angels is a very special place. Um, Again, I have such fond memories of being there as a child, you know, chasing after the sisters and playing with some of the residents out there, Um, wonderful facility. We are so fortunate to have holy angels in our community. Um, Unbelievable work, and um, the sisters are not there anymore, but there's good people out there who are just really have done some marvelous things and programs. Um, Have nothing but just fond memories of childhood, being there with my mom in, in the nursery. But um, as I, you know, became older and became a sister, I actually spent some time there, lived there for a short time. And again, just that feeling of just such reverence. It's just a beautiful place and and a place where people, families in particular, who have children with different disabilities can rest assured that they're going to be well taken care of. And I remember families from all over the country would um, would you know inquire ask about the services and um, and would um, entrust their children, precious children, to to this facility. And they have they have residents out there who have been there their entire life, and they're well taken care of, and they're so happy. And it's truly one of the to be out at Holy Angels is truly one of the most joyful times of my life. I I love it, and every time I go by there, I just it just it sends chills. You know, at my, at my back, I just love being out there. So um, it's a great place. You mentioned the, the elderly in our community. You know, um, I, I spent some time at the Bossier Council on Aging on their board of directors. And um, when you hear about programs like Meals on Wheels and um, other programs that both Caddo and Bossier, um Council on Aging, the, what they provide to the seniors um, it's wonderful work, and it's very much needed. We have a lot of seniors who live alone in our community. Um, there's not a lot of outreach to them. So I think it's upon us, the neighbors, our neighbors, to check on them and make sure they're okay and make sure that they have a ride you know, to where they need to go and they have plenty of, uh, of whatever provisions they need. But we have a lot of seniors in our community who really need help. And um, and again, the, the resources sometimes are very slim, so we need to step up and do what we can for them.
0: This wasn't one of my playing questions, but listening to you speak, I have to ask you. So, and it's a question I've asked some previous guests. You know, I I feel like we've we've become maybe here or a lot of places we've become such a me community rather than a we community. You know, as someone who's so community minded, you know, what kind of advice or what sort of recommendations would you potentially offer uh, to help us maybe transition from, uh, from, a, from a me community to a we community?
1: That's a great question. Um, I don't see Shreveport Bozier as being a me community as much as I see it as a busy community we're just a busy place. There's just always something to do, you know, uh, jobs and, um, you know, things to do at church that you need to do. And here and there, we're just, we just stay busy. I mean, just go down Uri or Airline Drive and you'll see the busyness. But I think sometimes we get lost in it. And um, we really need to take that time and just stop if we can. And I know it's not easy to stop at your job and and the things that, that contributes to helping your own family. But I think that sometimes we need to stop and just truly look around and um, see who's, who are we passing by. Um, I think that shreveport Bosher sometimes we pass up a lot just in our busyness, but we are a community of need. And in this community... Um, there's not enough of us out there that can help. I mean, with this need, this battle of of need, we nearly need everybody. You know, I have a lot of people who come to me and they say, "Oh, sister, I'd love to volunteer. I'd love to do this, but I, I you know, I don't know how to do much." Oh no, don't don't even say that. There's something for everyone to do to help others. Doesn't so make any difference what it what it is. The least little thing. I can remember when I was um, I was teaching at Loyola College Prep, and on Christmas Eve, we would load up some of the kids, the students from there would join me on Christmas Eve when they should be at home celebrating with their families. But we would load up a, about six pickup trucks full of toys and bicycles. And we went out and, and uh, made deliveries. We come, We were helping Santa Claus do this, and they enjoyed it. And I hope that it... I uh, made an impression on their lives of, of some of the things that they could do because it doesn't make any difference what age you are um, or what's your background or anything. Someone out there needs you. And so just find a group that's already out there or call me and um, we, will, we, will, we will reach out. And let's, let's help people. Let's help our community.
0: And speaking about community, I'm curious these next two questions just um, revolve around your impressions of our community even more than what you just said. So my first question is just as you look around our community now, what are some of the things that concern you the most and, and what seems more challenging today than at other times in your more than 30 years of serving this community?
1: I think um, some of the things that really concern me, obvious are some of the, the uh, you might say, the obvious things that uh, concern us all with the, the violence and, and drugs and those sort of things. Obviously, you have to be concerned about that, where, no matter where you live, whatever community you are. But one of the things I think that really concerns me, um, uh, as I go to, and currently I'm, I manage uh, school-based health centers. And these school-based health centers are located in Title I schools. Uh, Title I means that most of the families in that school um, come from families with um, income needs, uh, low income. And so as I'm going to these different schools and these clinics, I cut through neighborhoods. The housing and the situation there, I, you know, I see people living in housing, and there's a partial roof. I mean, they're living literally under tarps. And um, that really concerns me. I, I know if some of the children in our clinic, they don't have running water in their homes, um, uh, no electricity. Um, just, just the, I guess, the, the, our neighborhoods. I wish we, we had a means to do more um, in our neighborhoods to, to help people. Um, but just basic needs, housing, a safe place to call home, a home with food, you know and uh, with all and all the other things that we know that we need, our neighbors need them too, so that always disturbs me to to cut through on some of the streets and sometimes I just ride around in neighborhoods just to see what 's going on and um and I, and that that really disturbs me. But overall, um, shreveport Bozier, I think that we're a caring community. I really do. Our churches are wonderful. Um, you go wherever, you know, you go different places in town, and there are, are, are people from churches distributing clothes and food and things. We have wonderful organizations um, who, who are doing things to take care. Christian service is wonderful. Hope Connection is terrific for the homeless. Um, They're out there. They're workers. And I can't imagine our community without these organizations. But um, there's a lot of things to do.
0: And and just lastly, on on the other side of the last question, what, what seems better today and makes you optimistic about the future of our community?
1: i 'm very optimistic, just because of the people the people in our town we are, again we 're a caring community. Uh, I think we reach out I think we have a far reach that um, when something happens in our community, people rally and i 've seen it many times you know when some tragedy or something happens, our community rallies, and you 'll see a long line of cars, you know whether it 's bottled water or collecting or or whatever it is, and they do that. You know, we have great health care facilities here who take care of those with no health insurance. You know, they're out there. Um, we just have some, we have great um, educators in our schools who who go beyond education. They're truly taking care of, of children, uh, their basic needs. You know, I've seen teachers in some of the schools where I work who, who uh, they're coming to school with bags, and you think it's some of their own? Maybe it's their lunch or something. It's no, it's a bag of toothbrushes that they have personally purchased to give to their students. I think Shreveport-Bossier cares, and um, I think that um, we have a lot of focus on some negative things in our community. But there's a whole lot of goodness out there, Jeffrey. A lot.
0: And is there anything else? I mean, we could talk about so much because you do so much. Is there anything else um, about the work you've done or the work you're doing or what you see that you'd like to mention today? We have all the time in the world if there's anything else. Oh,
1: no, no, never tell me that. I'll (laughs) stay and talk. Um, One of the, um, you know, I've mentioned some different organizations, but one that um, I really have enjoyed being part of is David Raines Community Health Centers. Uh, David Rains is out there with six um, community health centers um, for those who need quality health care and plus um, eight school-based health centers. And they do some wonderful work in providing health care to families or individuals. doesn't make any difference what culture or age or, or socioeconomic level with providing health care to these people. And, um, you know, Healthy people are happy people, and so they, they have such tremendous work, and I've had the pleasure of being part of their ministry for the last uh, six years, and um, it's a, a terrific organization and under the leadership of Mr. Willie White, and uh, it, they, they just do such terrific work in our community. It's a small organization, small healthcare system, but their outreach is huge they across like four parishes, and, and they do some tremendous work. And um, you don't hear a lot about them in the community, but that what they do is big. They really do some great things. So um, it's a pleasure to be able to work with them these days and to see what all they do. Again, we're a community that cares. A lot of great organizations, but... We just need to make sure that we take care of one another, too.
0: Thanks, Sister. Really Thank you, Jeffrey. You being
1: here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you.